Church, today we're starting a brand new sermon series entitled um, Traveling Light. And this whole month, you know, during this crowded, uh, busy holiday season, it's easy for people to feel weighed down by family, maybe relationships, financial pressure, maybe it might even be regrets or failures. What we're going to be talking about this whole month, this series is going to help us uh, get rid of the weight, the weight that we feel, church, when it comes to the things God never asked us to carry. We all hold on to a lot of things that God never wanted you to have and he's never asked you to carry. And so this whole month, we're going to be focusing on these things. And church, truly, the solution is very simple. It's this, let go of the baggage that you have and travel light. So we're going to be talking this whole month about traveling light. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds on things of the Spirit. Church, this whole month, I'm going to remind you every week, this world is not our home. It really is not. This world is not our home. And I know for me personally, as I travel through life, and it amazes me how much of the wrong stuff, me personally, I end up accumulating. You know, we can go through my house and my drawers and my closets. I got a lot of stuff. But then also, too, the things I accumulate maybe is the worry, the, the, the baggage of past failures of my life, sins of my life, maybe even the shame from those things. You know, I accumulate just like you do. I accumulate hurts. I accumulate, you know, physical junk. At church, even times, I, I accumulate seeds of discontentment. But I want to talk about letting go of that stuff. For all of us, for all of us to let go of that stuff. Church, this, this phrase I want to give to you, you're going to hear it a lot this month. So if you write stuff down during the sermon, I really want you to write this down. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and to have more of what does matter. See, everything in today's culture screams absolutely opposite of that, doesn't it? The world screams to us all the way from the top of the roof that you need stuff. You need to accumulate things. And church, listen, this goes all the way back to the beginning of time. It really does. See, God created Adam and all the things of the creation. And what did God say about his creation? He said it was good. He said it was good. And, but though it really wasn't good for Adam because he was missing something, wasn't he? Adam was missing something. He kept losing his keys. And so God had to create a helpmate for him to keep him straight, right, to keep him in line. And so after God created Eve for Adam, he, he went and he said, he told Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to be fruitful. And he said, I want you to multiply. And he gave them every single thing, church, that they needed, everything that they needed. What could be better than that, right? What could be better than that? But he told them the one thing, he said, I don't want you eating the fruit off the tree of knowledge. So then Satan, the serpent, came, and he said, he says to them, he says, so did God really tell you that you can't eat the fruit off of that tree? He, he poses this question to them and makes them think. And so all the way back, church, all the way back to the first creation story, you see the very first lie that some of us, that we struggle with 
today, and it's this, what you don't have. You know, all the blessings, church, all the blessings that God has given you, but what you don't have, the enemy will tell you, that's what you need. He'll tell you that's what you need. What you don't have is what you need to be happy, the enemy will tell you. What you don't have is what you need to, to be fulfilled. That's He'll tell you that, church. What you don't have is what you need to feel complete. And you, if you think about this, many of us, we grew up believing this lie, that there was something else out there. There's one more thing. Just within my grasp, if I had that one more thing, it's exactly what I would need in my life to feel complete. It's exactly what I would need in my life to be happy and to be fulfilled. And some of us grew up that way. We grew up believing this, that there's something else out there. You know, and the world loves to tell you this, church, more is always better, right? More is always better. The world tells you that constantly. So you think, if I have more, then it will be better. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I loved those circus peanuts. You know what I'm talking about? Them little orange marshmallow things. Yeah, almost everybody says the same, same thing. They're gross. I loved them when I was a kid. My grandma would invite us down to her house to spend the weekend, and we would go one at a time. She had a lot of grandkids. And she would buy you one special thing. So my grandma bought me these circus peanuts. And she said, you can have a couple. That wasn't enough. So even as a little boy, I would wake up at 5 a.m. It's ingrained in me. I should have been a farmer maybe. I don't know. But I would wake up at 5 a.m. And you know what I wanted for breakfast? Grandma didn't wake up till 10. I wanted circus peanuts. Eight one, eight two. that's good. But you know what? More is always better, church. Always better, the enemy will tell you. So I ate the whole stinking bag of them. And guess where my breakfast ended up on? Right on my grandma's living room floor. Right there. Because more is better, the enemy would tell you. Church Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Look at this with me, please. This, this verse right here is going to mean a lot to us today. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 6 says this. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Those are some wise words right there from, from Solomon Church. So in other words, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. And why is it better? I told you this before, a whole other sermon series, because life is too valuable, your calling church is too great, and your God is too good to waste your life on stuff that doesn't last. Jesus warned us about this. He did. He warned us about this. There's a story in the Bible. There, there were two sons who they were really excited about their inheritance. If you'll look with me at Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And so Jesus speaks these words to him. He said, it says this, then he said to them, watch out. I want to stop there for a minute. Do you understand when someone says, watch out, that means maybe you're going to get hit by something. Something's going to fall on you, right? Be careful where you're walking. Watch out. So Jesus says to these two dudes, he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. An abundance of possessions. Church, my life, your life, does not consist of stuff. I want you to understand something today. You are not what you have. 
The world's going to tell you that. You honestly, you are not what you have, and you are not what you wear. That's not who you are. And see, the lie is, the lie is this, is what you don't have is what you need. You know, I spent a lot of my life thinking that way. You know, what you don't have is what you need to, to be awesome. You know, what you don't have is what you need to fit in. What you don't have is what you need to feel satisfied. What you don't have is what you need to feel content or to be significant, right? That's a huge lie the enemy will tell you. And the lie is what you don't have is what you don't need. And he is pushing that agenda hard on us. And we struggle with it around this time of year, don't we? We really do. My mom and dad had five kids, and you know when the, this is the old days, okay, I'm really going to show my age here. When the J.C. Penney's catalog came out, we each got a different color crayon, and we were circling the snot out of that Penny's catalog. But we wanted everything in there. But see, what about this, church? Think about this. What if the stuff you have is robbing you from the life that you actually want? What if the stuff that you have is actually robbing you from the life you actually want? And I'm not even talking about physical stuff. It might be things that you're carrying, some baggage in your life. It might be some emotional struggles. It might be some past hurts, some past sins, some things that's been done against you, right? And so what if the stuff that you have is robbing you from the life that you want? I want to remind you what it says in Ecclesiastes, right? Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So I want to give you three thoughts today, what we're going to call one handful living, all right? Three thoughts on one handful living. And the first thing is this, throw it out. That's your very first point, throw it out. When you look at the stuff that most of us have, it, is, it, it, it can be ridiculous, isn't it? It really can be ridiculous. When um, recently, you know, we, we were expanding in our home and we have another person living in our home. And so I had to take one closet and move it into the garage, and so Mary wasn't putting her clothes in no garage. I'll tell you that right now. So it ended up being me. So I, I built this closet in there. Did a good job, too, if I can say so myself. And, and I built this closet, and, and I put all my clothes in there. Well, the other day, I was in there, and I'm noticing I put a piece of metal pipe across there that's holding my clothes, and the pipe is bending. And I'm like, that's cheap pipe. <laughs> really, it's not. I have too much. For real, I have way too much. And as I thought about that, it took me all the way back to 1999 when we first, our first Russian boy came to live with us. I remember they came with literally the shirt on their back. That's all they had that day. And, and so we, after the next day, after we got him at the airport, I would take him shopping. I remember the very first year he came and, and, and he's, we're, you know, we're picking him out clothes and he just keeps looking at me like I'm stupid. I'm getting multiple outfits and saying, all right, you need this, you need this. And he looked at me and he said, and he, he loved to say the word stupid. He said, this is stupid. You need two, one clean, one dirty. And what he was saying to me was, listen, I'll wear one today and when it's dirty, you can wash it and then I'll wear the other one while it's washing. Church, that taught me a huge lesson. And it took me back when I saw my closet filled with that. So church, think about us. What most of us had, look at the stuff that we have. It really and truly is ridiculous. 
You, you know, we need to be throwing out as our life depends on it. Getting rid of things, whether it be emotional or physical things. See, your life does not depend, church, on what you have in your closets. Your life does not depend on what you have in your drawers. Your life does not depend on what you have under your bed, right? Let's take it real far, okay? What you have in your attic, in your garage. You can't even pull your car in your garage because you got so much stuff. And for those of you who have so much, you are now renting a storage unit to store your stuff in it. (laughs) That's not your life, church. That's not what defines you. It's about less of what doesn't matter and more about what does. I'm not even talking about decluttering, but I'm talking about de-owning. You know what I'm talking about? Getting rid of things. See, we could argue all day long that, that owning less is way more better than organizing more, isn't it? It really is. So there's this guy in the New Testament Uh, The Bible calls him the rich young ruler. See, church, he had a lot of stuff. But see, here's the thing. His problem was that his stuff owned him. He had a lot of stuff, and his stuff owned him. And Jesus said something to the rich young ruler that you don't see recorded anywhere else in the Bible, what he said to this guy. And he said this, church, to him because he knew what this guy's problem was. He understood his problem. Look with me, if you will, Matthew chapter 19. Man, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, this rich young ruler, he comes up to Jesus. He says, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So the rich young ruler, he's asking the most important question any of us could ever possibly ask in life. Basically, what do I got to do to get to heaven? Jesus, what, what do I have to do? Check out Jesus' response in verse 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, you give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So Jesus is saying, listen, get rid of all the stuff that's holding you down. He wasn't saying, like, nobody should have any stuff. That's not what Jesus was saying. He's saying, hey, dude, your stuff owns you. You don't own your stuff. He knew this about him. He said, you need to sell it all. Get rid of it, and you come follow me. And in verse 22, sad response. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Church, he was willing to sacrifice his eternity for the garbage that he has on this earth. Think about that. See, less of the stuff that doesn't matter And church, then you will have more of what does. See, the problem was this guy. He was just so into his stuff. He was into owning and accumulating. Church, it's not wrong to have nice stuff. Please do not walk out of here thinking I'm telling you, you got to sell everything you own. There's nothing wrong with, with having some nice stuff because you know what? Do you realize our God, our daddy, he is a very generous He does. He is a very generous God, and he loves to bless us. He does love to bless us. See, it's not wrong to have stuff, but when your stuff has you, that's where the problem comes in play, when your stuff owns you. See, it is wrong when your life is defined by your stuff. It's wrong, church, when it's defined by that. See, it, it, it is wrong 
when you need stuff to be fulfilled. Church, it's wrong when you need stuff to make yourself happy. You know, pursuing a bunch of thinking, pursuing just all these things and and thinking that this is what's gonna make me happy. This is what's gonna make, fill this void that I've got in my life. And a lot of us fall in that trap. Church, I want you to realize something. It's a spiritual void that you have in your life. It's spiritual. That can only be filled by the goodness of God and his grace. That is the only way that void is gonna be filled. So why is it, church, that we hold on to so much stuff? You know, why can't we give it away? Why can't we throw it out? Well, there's two big reasons for that. There's reasons, church. There's a reason you got way too many dishes at your house. There's a reason you have way too many knickknacks. There's a reason that some of you, you're still holding on to your VHS tapes, got no idea why you still are doing that. Some of you, you've got pants that you've had for 20 years. You're waiting for them to come back in, aren't you? You're holding, I know they're coming back. (laughs) And then there's that fear that you might need that for the future, right? That you might need that for, that's how I grew up. You know, we might need this later. You, you, You save that. You might need it later. Church, do you realize that that can be a tremendous lack of faith? That can be a lack of faith because it's symbolic, church, of a deeper struggle in your faith that you're not trusting God to provide in your future that you could bless somebody else today who doesn't have anything. I'm trying to go to this logic that if I get something, I give something. You know what I'm talking about? Get a brand new sweater, get rid of my old sweater, right? I get a brand new toy. I still like toys. I get rid of one of my old toys, right? But that, that, that's the policy we're trying to do. You get something, you give something. And if you don't use it in a year, I'm big on that. I love it when I'm at home and everybody else is at school. We ain't using it in a year, it's gone. And you know what? Nine times out of 10, nobody ever says, hey, uh, have you seen? Uh... Nope, doesn't happen at our house. If you don't use it in a year, you give it away. And why do we not often give church? It's because of fear. It really is because of fear, and not only is it because of fear, it's also because of sentiment. How many of you are sentimental people? You know what I'm talking about? You've got that first drawing that your kid made in first grade. How cute. You should keep that. But you've got the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one. Oh, let's go to second grade, right? I got the first one in second grade. And you're saving all these things, right? You got that very first outfit that your child wore. (laughs) Not only the first outfit that they wore, you've got all the outfits that they've ever owned and you're storing them in the basement. (laughs) Some of you people are sick. You you got that first dirty diaper maybe that your kid, right? Oh, so sentimental. You get rid of it, church. You thank God for the stuff. Listen, you thank God for the stuff and that it served its purpose, then you give it away or you throw it away. Remember Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and you're chasing after the wind. So we throw it out. So going back to that handful of living, the second point in that one handful of living is this. Your first one was throw it out. The second one is this, we buy less. We buy less. Some of you are shrinking down your seat right now. You're like, ooh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday just happened, and I broke the bank, right? 
You're going to invite the UPS guy to your house for family reunions because he's hanging out there so much. We fail at that, don't we? Do you realize this? I read this statistic this week. 62% of people admit to shopping to cheer themselves up. Retail therapy, right? You know, I feel down. I feel depressed. So I will go shopping to to cheer myself up. I want to cheer myself up. It's my form of entertainment. That's how I entertain myself, right? You know, I want something new. I want something clean. So I'm going to go buy something. It gives you that momentary significance that you buy something you don't need with money you really don't have so you can impress people that you don't even like, right? And it's something that gives you like that dopamine rush, that temporary high, because what I don't have, because what I don't have, the enemy's going to keep telling you this, because what I don't have is what I need to feel fulfilled, to feel complete, and to feel satisfied. Psalm 119, turn there with me if you will, please. In Psalm 119, verse 36 and 37, it says this. It says, cause my heart to bow before your words of wisdom and not to the wealth of this world. Church, there's a lot in that verse right there. And then it goes on to say in verse 37, Help me turn my eyes away from the illusions so that I pursue only that which is true. Drench my soul with life as I walk in your paths. Church, another version says this. Help me turn my eyes away from meaningless things. From meaningless things. You know, I want all of us, myself included, I'm just as guilty, all right? I want all of us to get to a place where our lives are so filled with the goodness of God that we don't need things to help us feel better about ourselves. And we don't need things to get us there because you're so filled with the goodness of God that you don't need things to define who you are because Jesus, do you realize this, church? He has already defined who you are. He tells us that you are victorious, right? He tells you that you are a child of the one true king. Your clothes and and your things do not need to define who you are. You know, I'm trying to do this in my life a lot. Like I told you, church, I struggle with it just as much. But we, Mary and I, we've decided we're really trying hard to do this, that we want to do experiences over things. You know, instead of going to Walmart and, and buying a, a toy for our grandkids that, you know what, they'll look, ooh, and they'll throw it away, and then six months later, you find it under the bed, so it ain't been open yet because they got 60 toys that day. So we're trying to do experiences with them. Church, I don't know about you, but I remember way more experiences that I had in my lifetime with people than I do about the stupid stuff that I got. Yeah, I remember so well my mom taking us swimming every single day out to Lake Marwin, Johnny's Landing, whatever you want to call it. She waited till my dad went to work, and then she took us every day in the summer. Yeah, I remember my Uncle Jerry coming over to my house every Sunday. You could set your watch by it. And that dude would take all of us on. I had a big family. He would play kickball against all of us kids against him and win almost every time. I remember that experience. 
I remember going fishing with all my cousins and my grandma. I remember camping with my brother out in the woods for days upon days. I remember those things. It's experiences over stuff. Church, it's about on the other side of stuff, there's freedom. Do you realize that? There is freedom for joy and and, and a time for relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you and I. He also made you a relational being. You sitting there crossing your arms and they say, I don't like nobody. Yes, you do. We are made to have relationships with people. Our God is relational, and he created us as him, like he is. So finally, the third thing for that one-handed living is this, right? We we talked about throw it out. We talked about buying less. And the third one, church, this is the one that's going to get us hard right here, is you give more. You give more. 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you'll look at this with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says this, command those who are rich in this present world. I'm going to stop right there. When I was a kid growing up in the church, every time the Bible would talk about a rich person, I'm like, that ain't me. <laughs> We're poor, maybe middle class, lower middle class. That's how I looked at it. I would completely turn out. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about this verse I'm about to read to you from a global perspective, okay? From a global perspective. How many of you, if you drove to church today, I don't care if you got a a beater or you got a brand spanking new Cadillac, if you drove to church today, you are on the top 5 to 7% of the richest people in the world right now. If you had the option yesterday of having three meals, you might only ate two, you might only ate one, but if you... Some of you had a fourth meal, Taco Bell, right? After 10. But if you had the option of three meals a day, you're rich people. You're in the top 40% of the people who are alive today. If you have the capability to order a pizza on your phone, you crazy rich. We are rich people, church. When you look at the total population of the world, we, every single one of you here, I don't care how much money you make, you are wealthy. You are rich. And so, listen, this verse, I'm going to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. This verse is for you. It really is. This verse is for you. I want you to hear it. I want you to feel it. I want you to internalize it. I want you to become it. Now, let's go back to command those who are rich in this present world. That's all you people. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them, church, to do good. It doesn't say command them to buy more. It says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Church, do you want, he's saying right there, when they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. You've heard that statement, treasures in heaven. That's what he's talking about. That you're laying up treasures in heaven by being generous, by, by, by being willing to share, by, man, being rich in good deeds, right? And so your life, church, does not consist in the abundance 
of your stuff. But when you are a blessing, think about this for a minute, church. When you are a blessing, when you overflow with the goodness of God and you are generous, church, this is the life that truly is life that he was talking about there in 1 Timothy. Less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. You know, when I think about stuff, I never really get emotional. You know what I mean? I, I really don't. I don't get uh, emotional. I don't get emotional. You know, when I got the, the new iPhone 13, I didn't lay in bed that night and just start weeping and so excited that I, I got the new iPhone 13. I, I didn't do anything. I did not get emotional about it. I didn't lay there and say, Lord, I feel so close to you right now because this thing's 5G. No. No, I, I didn't do that. You know, church, when I finally got the, the new pair of tennis shoes I've been wanting for a long time, right? I didn't sit there and cry for a while about it. It didn't overtake me at all. I have no emotional stories, even about keeping things, church. I don't have any emotional stories about keeping things. You know, when, when, when man, I'm, I'm going to give sacrificially this, this amazing cause, whatever it is the church is doing at this amazing cause. But you know what, man, I'm so glad I didn't because I took my family to Chili's and we all ate. It was an emotional good time for us. No, it doesn't work that way. Or it's kind of like that deal, like, you know, I got a brand new fridge. The old one still worked. I didn't like the color. So I got a brand new fridge, but you know what? I put the old one in the garage. I didn't get emotional about it. That I'm so excited I have a spare. I'm so excited I didn't give it to that, that young single mother who desperately needed one. Because you know what? We have two parties a year, and we like to keep all our Cokes cold. No. It doesn't happen that way, church. I don't get emotional about that. But I tell you what, I have so many emotional giving stories I could tell you about. Of the way God's goodness just overcame me because I did something that he commanded me to do. Did I bless someone? Did, did I wanted to help someone? Then I wanted to do something. And let me tell you what, church, I have laid in bed at night and just God just pours right through me from that. Knowing that I was faithful to what he called me to. That I was obedient. And I remember my first tithe. The first time I, I, I was tithing, you know what, church? I was that guy. I'm going to tell you right now. God blessed me with a crazy good job. And, and a job that I didn't deserve and I definitely wasn't qualified for, but I'll tell you right now, God gave it to me. And I was that $1 Sunday guy, you know what I'm talking about? I'm gonna throw a buck in there in case someone's peeking at me out of the corner of their eyes. One day I'm sitting in church and man, God convicted me. And I remember writing that check. For those of you who don't know what a check is or VHS tape, you Google that after church, it'll tell you, okay? So I'm writing that check and I'm sweating bullets. I'm not kidding you, because I, I was, that was a lot of money to me. And I remember saying, going, oh, I don't know. And the offering plate comes by and you're kind of like doing, you know, do I want to throw it in? I threw it in. I tell you what, church, God blessed me. I really and truly 
felt close to God because I was doing what he commanded me to do. I was faithful to him because he was so faithful to me, church. I remember giving till it hurts. Have you ever done that? Where you felt God tell you to do something, you're like, you're crazy, God. He's like, I want you to. And you give till it hurts. I remember, church, downsizing, and we were really blessed. We had a really large home. Before I moved into the church's parsonage, this house is literally half the size of it. And we downsized from a house. It was twice the size. I'm talking twice the many rooms, and they were all furnished. And Mary says, I said to Mary, should we have a yard sale? She says, we ain't having no yard sale. Too much work, right? So I just started giving it away. Church, I was blessed. Hey, you need a couch? I got a couch for you. You know, you need this? I got this for you. And I laid in bed at night feeling blessed by my heavenly father. Because I was doing what he called me to do. Church, I want to give it to you one more time. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and the chasing after the wind. Less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Church has asked the praise team to come up here this morning. We're getting ready to close this service out. I have a couple questions for you that I really and truly, I want you to answer this this morning. Two questions, and the first one is this. Are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep? Seriously, are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When you pass your kids, are going to throw it in the dumpster. They are. And you're so worried about it now that i got to have all this stuff. And the second thing, church, but no, think about this. Too many of us, too many of us, you know what? We are trying to fill a spiritual void with material things and we're not wanting to give or let go. The second thing is this, man, this is really important. It's this, are you investing in heaven what you cannot lose? That nobody can steal from you? Nobody can take from you? You can't forget where you put it? God's the one that's taking care of that. Are you investing in heaven what you cannot lose? I'm talking about storing treasures up in heaven. I wasn't honest with you. I'm going to say it one more time. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So church, how many of you this morning are you free from the lies that the enemy's been telling you, that you've got to have all the things that we do. Maybe this morning, there's somebody who heard this message and you're like, man, I I need to give some stuff away. But it's stuff that I've been holding on to emotionally. Maybe it's stuff that's affecting you physically because you're holding on to your sin You're holding on to your shame. You're holding on to all the things where you fell short of what the Bible calls the glory of God, and you're holding on to it. And and the reason you're holding on to it is because you do not know Jesus Christ personally because he says, listen, give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take your junk. I'll take your sin. I'll take your shame. I'll take everything. And I will make you brand new, brand new. So if that's for you this one, I really want to encourage you, let today be the day that you're going to give something up. 
I'm talking about your old life. Never to circle back there again. So if that is for you and the Lord is touching your heart this morning, I really, truly, I want you to come forward. There's people up here who will pray for you, pray with you, and you can receive that salvation that the rich young ruler was questioning. And for the rest of you body of believers, those of you who are already saved, I want to ask you this. Are you buying into the lie that the enemy is continuing to pound down on you? Are you forgetting your calling? Are you recognizing the fact that God has, God has called you to something bigger, to be generous, to give it away, to bless other people with the riches and the gifts that he has given to you? So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. I really and truly want to encourage you to respond this morning.